Shh. Are the kids gone? Good. It's time for Telling Lies to Children with me, your host, Paul Durham. This is a first-of-its-kind podcast, one hosted by a children's author, that's me again, but intended for adults who live and breathe children's literature. That's you. Whether you're a librarian, a media specialist, a teacher, or a parent, we all work with children every day. But sometimes, it's nice to talk like adults with adults who share our love of children's books and publishing. I'll be chatting with editors at the world's biggest publishing houses, literary agents, award-winning authors, booksellers, librarians, and even young readers. Join me and my guests as we give you a candid, behind-the-scenes look at children's publishing, the business of telling lies to children. But only the best kinds of lies, of course. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hi friends, it's me, Paul Durham. Welcome to the very first episode of Telling Lies to Children. And for this first episode, I wanted to start things off with one of uh, my favorite guys in the business and one of my favorite interviews that I've done so far. Uh, Late last spring, I sat down uh, with J.A. White, also known as Jerry White. Jerry's the author of the Thickety series of books, which is a, a terrific series, sort of dark fantasy, spooky, creepy, but extremely well-written uh, for middle-grade readers. The first book in that series, a Path Begins, uh, was named by Publishers Weekly as one of the best books of the year for middle-grade readers. It received numerous starred reviews. Uh, Jerry himself is just a, a great speaker. He's great with kids. He's a really funny guy. Uh, and we had uh, we had a good time uh, chatting. Uh, so if you're interested in learning more, if you're not familiar with Jerry, uh, J.A. White, get familiar with him. Go on to his website, jawhitebooks.com, and listen to, uh, listen to the episode. I think you'll enjoy it as much as we did. So without any more introduction, let's take it away with Jerry White. Jerry, can you see me, man? I can see you. Can you hear me? I can I can definitely hear you. You sound you sound great actually. So you got whatever microphone you're using, uh, you sound like a professional radio personality. Awesome. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I was going for. It's work. It's working. Now, do you want to wor- do you want to see me or do you think that would be? Would give that- it a, give it a shot. Yeah, give it a shot. We'll put the put the video on. And sure. um, you know, one of the downsides of of recording from a a coop out in the woods, <laughs> um, is that. Uh, is is that the at this time of night I think all the neighbors start like you know firing up their internet so the signal gets a little wonky on me gotcha. but uh, but you know what what I've noticed is that as long as we're like um, usually the audio stays pretty good like the video might get scratchy but as long as we can hear each other talking it should be fine all right cool yeah so we're cool I see I, I see your little are those bobbleheads you get behind you there what's go, what's uh, what do you, what do you oh, get behind you on the shelf I have my uh, shelf of dorky things. Uh, we all so have. Let's see, I have uh, Doctor Who up there, and uh, the guys from Ghostbusters, a lot of Legos and things. My, uh, uh, you know, that's a good gift to get me during Christmas time is something dorky. It, hey, you know, you're a children's author. That's par- <laughs> I think it's it's par for the course, right? I think Absolutely. we all get a little, a little dork in us. Um, is that where is that is that sort of your writing space down there? Is that where you? It is. You, yeah, it's sort of yeah. a, a makeshift writing space. So it's it's. Um, a not quite finished basement. We have some cinder block things going on and a and a concrete floor. But um, you know, this is where this is where it happens. And and actually, my students just made me a, a cute sign. I'll show it to you. It's yeah. uh, <laughs> danger making danger. up monsters. So uh, <laughs> that's something I can hand outside my door, which I thought was pretty cool. And then uh, you know, my I had three sons, so they're usually. Upstairs, pumping around. Can you can you hear them? Yeah, so I hear it up. Bump, 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 bump. Right, right. Um, and uh, and so now you teach third graders, is that right? Do I remember that? Correctly? I do. Yeah, yeah. You're right on. Yeah. I teach third grade. I've taught. Oh man, I've taught kindergarten, first, third, fifth, sixth, and college. Oh wow. So yeah. So you've run the gamut, huh? Who's really more immature? Have. 
Who's more immature, the college students or like the kindergartners? College, uh, without yeah. a question. Uh, they, yeah. Yeah. That was sort of my problem with teaching college. I had a very, very early course. It was about uh, 8 o'clock in the morning, and only half the class would ever show up, so I had to fail a lot of kids, and it got a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I've been there. I've, I did that myself, and it's 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 amazing how uh, I mean, I was just as bad, but it's amazing how awful the college students can be sometimes. I'm not, I'm not one to talk. I failed, I failed philosophy. I was, I think I was probably the only person who actually could fail philosophy. I think I, <laughs> I lost you for a second there. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting some of the, I'm getting some of the, like the choppiness I was afraid of. I wonder if there's a way now. If maybe if we switch, maybe we should switch over to just audio. You want to try All to right. give it? Let's give it a I, shot. All right. Can you still hear me? Actually, I could hear you a lot better. That's making a big actually, difference. yeah. Yeah, the sound is better. I'll right, we'll do it this way. I got, right, I got cool. to, I got, I got, I got to peek into your, into your writing studio. Yeah, and I, and, I still uh, see your smiling face up on my screen, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you give me the thumbs up. So for, <laughs> for, for, for all of like the three people, um, like our relatives who might ultimately be listening to this episode, <laughs> if they, if they don't know what we're talking about, we're doing this. By well, screen, I mean, I, so. I have like three relatives too. So that's six combined. Yeah. That's not bad. Yeah. Yeah, so we're so I'll be happening. I'll be I'll be shooting to the top of the uh, of the iTunes list with uh, <laughs> if we if we combine our families, we'll be in good shape. When I see when I see my um my book on the New York Times bestseller list, I'll be like, ah, it must have been the podcast. It it's the podcast, man. That's what that's what that's what can do it. It's the podcast. Well, thanks thanks for joining me. Sure. As uh, yeah, as as you can see, I think I just sort of as long as the sound provided the sound works, I just jump right into these things and just start talking. I think that's the best way to go about it. Just a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, so last time, last time I think we we saw each other in person was probably was that the kids kids author carnival in New York? Yeah, last that year? was in uh in New York City. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. It was that that yeah, that was the second time I'd done it. Was it the first time you? That was done? the first time, but that was that was a good time. I mean, every time you have a bunch of children's authors and a bunch of kids, generally things work out. Yeah, yeah, usually it's a good combination. Yeah, which which works out for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you now? Are you just are you just coming off the road? I mean, because now, um, well of which is that that was what a month and a half ago or so. Yeah, yeah. So I went on my uh, my whole road trip thing. I'm uh, got a little dicey because I went down to North Carolina when they were having all those tornadoes. Oh which no! Is, you know, I I grew up in in New York, so I've never had to deal with tornadoes. I was in the hotel sure. and everyone's cell phone goes off at once, you know, seek shelter now. So that was a little, a little scary, but, um, luckily no harm, no foul. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, where, else, where else, where else did you, where else did you, or North Carolina, where else did you I went to? North Carolina? I went to, uh, one of my favorite stops was at Boswell books in Milwaukee. Uh, oh, cool. I love that place. And they, they always do, that was my second trip there. And they always do an amazing, yep. amazing job. Yep. Uh, where else? I went to, uh, Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and okay. Austin, Texas is my first trip to Austin. Austin's awesome. I went I went there last year. Isn't that a great town? It is. You know, did, where, where, did you get to see the bats? Uh, well, okay. So funny thing with the bats. So I I was there in I guess roughly the same time. It, it was like around this time of year. So it was it was the, it was the you know spring. Mm-hmm. And I went to the bridge where I, I had no intention of it because everybody was you know I was like I don't like to do the tourist things and stuff like that. But I had some time to kill. And, you know, I'm by myself. So I, I walk over to the bridge and I see all these people congregating, you know, all along the bridge. They're riding their bikes and everybody's all setting up shop. And they got those boats out there with like the canopies over the top so, the, so that the bats don't crap all over the sure, yeah. stuff. <laughs> right. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm here. So I might as well, you know, I might as well just just stand here and wait and, and see what all the all the hoopla is about. So uh, I, I'm standing there and I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting and, you know, I'm trying to be like the good social media guy. I'm like taking pictures and tweeting out like, oh, yeah, I'm going to see the bats in Austin and all this stuff. But it gradually just gets darker and darker and darker until it was it was dark, like like you couldn't see anything. And I was like, I've been wait- I'm starving. I hadn't had dinner and I've been waiting here for like an hour for these bats to come out. And I don't know if they just never came out or if they came out after I left, they all decided to fly out from under the bridge. But long story short, no, I never I never got to see the bats. So it was a total bummer. I did. But apparently that time of the year is not prime bat season. Uh, I think it's like late summer is when they really come right. out. Uh, and there's supposed to be like millions of them. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, that's what I, yeah. Like, I guess that's when the baby, like, I guess, I guess that's when they have the baby bats and they all, so that's why there's so many of them. They all fly out at once. Uh, I think it's great though, that they, uh, they eat up all the insects. So that must yeah. be a real big help. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, as I saw him fly out, and I watched it for a little while, and then I went, okay, those are some bats, and then I went and got yeah. some food. <laughs> so it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as impressive of a a I don't know if it, is it, you call it a it's not, it can't be a flock of bats. I don't know what I don't know what you call a big group of bats. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure there's like a special scientific uh, name right. that we're both missing out on right now. But yeah. uh, <laughs> no, it was. But cool. it wasn't. It was. Cool. They didn't. They didn't black out the sky or anything. No, like that. no, no, no. They didn't do anything like that. They they actually came out in. I thought they were gonna all come out at once, like you know, like the end of a horror movie where the bats attack the town or something like yeah, that. Right. But yeah, right. they came out in sort of fits and stops. So a bunch would come out, then there'd be a stop. Uh, so you know, it was an experience. It was pretty cool, and then I had a good burger. So it was a nice night. There you go. Now, did you did your did your media escort take you by Franklin's and show you like the whole scene with the line at Franklin's? No, what the heck is Franklin's? Okay, so Franklin's, and I think I have the name right. Franklin's is like this famous barbecue place in Austin. Really? Uh, so, yeah, yeah. So famous, in fact, that apparently everybody uh, lines up starting at seven or eight in the morning for the lunch. I don't know if it's you know it's the ribs or the brisket or whatever whatever they have going on there. Uh, but then people bring their lawn chairs, and so a, as I was going to one of the schools in Austin, the you know the media specialist, uh, not media specialist, the uh, the escort um, gives me the whole rundown on on Franklin's, which is apparently I mean it's like it's known throughout the country as as the barbecue place in in Austin. So um, so yeah, so you you drive by and it was you know it was like eight thirty nine o'clock on the way to a school, and you see just all these people like lined up outside this little small building looking thing you know it wasn't it's not a fancy looking place but that's franklin's and apparently everybody knows about franklin's and you get there early because otherwise they sell out by like one o'clock or something like that so uh, i didn't go needless wow, to say I'm not, yeah i'm not big on lines yeah no i i can't imagine ever wanting food that badly that would wait on that kind of line yeah yeah i'm with you i'm with you but that's yeah but so that's one of that's one of the stops do you know what, what do you remember what schools you went to in austin uh, shoot. Uh, no, nah, you know, I wouldn't either. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't either. I shouldn't put you on the spot like that. <laughs> they, they, they were nice. Uh, but you know, yeah. that the, it all becomes sort of this, this blur of, uh, yeah. One school after the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Especially when you, when you're stacking up the, the towns and cities like that. So you ever, um, does... you ever wake up and you're like a little confused as to what city you're in? <laughs> Um, this morning, oh, okay. but, but no, but no, but <laughs> that's, that's, it's a, yeah, on Wednesdays and sometimes on Friday. No. Uh, but yeah, no, I've been there where it's, yeah, especially when you, when you're, I did, I did one trip where it was, um, it was last year. It was, it was Texas and then, so Texas, two days in Texas and then over to, to Portland, Oregon, wow. and then back to San Francisco and then like back home all in like, you know, it was like a four or five day span. And then I flew out to Ohio like for a one day visit like the next day. So that was that was one of those weeks where I was kind of entirely discombobulated. You know, it's funny because when I when I go on these tours, all my friends at work, so I have to, I my school is absolutely awesome. By the way, I'm uh, I guess you mentioned already that I'm a teacher, so I don't need to tell yeah. our vast studio audience. That's right. That's right. <laughs> a, a wonderful third grade teacher. Do you want to give a shout out to your school? Oh, my. Hey, Ridgewood Avenue School. It, there you go. Um, well, tell them, tell them to listen to the podcast. Well, we might get like 12 subscribers. Wow. All right. Cool. Let's just try to yeah. up the audience. Um, yeah. So anyway, so all my, my teacher friends are all like, wow, that, that's that's great. You get to take some time off and get to travel all these places. And I don't think they quite understand how exhausting. It is, uh, you know, it's, I, I love touring. I love meeting the kids, but then when I come back, I need to sleep for like 18 hours straight just to, to sort of like yeah. catch up. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, cause it does seem kind of, it's kind of, it does seem kind of glamorous. Like the oh, first sure. time you do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you get like a little tiny taste, I guess, of what it must be like to be like a, a rock star on tour. Mm -hmm. Not that, not that we're trashing hotel rooms and, <laughs> and all kinds yourself. of yeah, I know. I heard about yeah, I heard about you. I heard about that that Memphis stop you had. Um, <laughs> but but it's you know they 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 the, you know the town car. What I think my favorite part of of touring is not having to drive myself anywhere. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's like, sweet. Uh, especially because yeah. uh, with um, also with the media escorts, you sort of get uh, a tour. Right. Uh, wherever it is that you're going. I mean, and they're really great at just showing you different places. So uh, it's both awesome and a little bit frustrating because you get to go to all these uh, cool cities that, at least in my case, I may have never visited before, but 
you don't always get to see as much of the city as you would have liked. Right. Yeah, I was in uh, that's I was in Portland, Oregon, which I really would have liked to have mm-hmm. visit visited for I think less than twenty two hours. Oh. Um, my flight got in really late, and then the you know the fancy schmancy hotel that they booked me in in downtown Portland because I got in so late they overbooked and <laughs> they shipped me out to some other you know some other not so nice hotel on the fringes of town. Um, and then I was up at like you know six thirty or something like that to go running off to the school business. And I was on a plane by like five o'clock in the afternoon, so that was a bummer because it looked like that was a cool town I would have liked to have spent some time in. Yeah, that's what happened to me in Chicago. I uh, flew in in the morning and then basically flew out at night and uh I never really got a chance to see Chicago. So I've been to Chicago but mostly just the airport. Right. Right. It's um I, I've been to Chicago too, but but and that's that's a great town. I mean I, I've uh, I didn't spend a lot of time there, but I, I didn't do it on a book tour. I I was just there uh personally and it and it was yeah, it was a great city. But that's one of the things that uh, you know, I felt really fortunate that I got to do that and that I actually got to go on those tours. Um, when they sent you, and I'm saying, for the sake of the people eavesdropping in, um, <laughs> we <laughs> Jerry, know you're out Jerry, there. Yeah, we know we know somebody. We know someone's out there. Jerry and I had have uh, our our first series were published by the same publisher, so um, that's why we're talking like we sort of know the <laughs> know the people involved in this. But when you when they sent you out on your first tour, now you were solo, right? They didn't they didn't send you out with anybody else for the very first tour. No, no, it was just me. So it was it was a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to say terrifying, but I- I'll say it. It was a little bit scary because I-, yeah. I didn't really know what to expect. The The advantage I had was uh, since I'm a teacher, they could kind of throw me in front of a whole bunch of kids. and I'm pretty comfortable in that right. situation. Right. So, so that part was cool. But as far as the actual tour part, uh, well, the other thing was I didn't realize it was going to be so fancy uh, that, you know, People would, like you said, come and drive you all about and things like that. Right. So that, that was pretty nice. Um, but I, I wasn't exactly sure what to expect. And then you sort of, I don't know if you get used to it, getting used to it, because because every every tour is completely different, I feel. Yep. Uh, yep. And also, there's so many variables when you're talking about going to different schools. It's what time of day is it? You know, have the kids, do the kids know that you're coming or have they never heard of you before? <laughs> right, uh, right. So there's just lots of things that go on. Um, but yeah, that, that first time was, was really, was really exciting. I got to meet you. So that was obviously the highlight. Oh, I know. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, that was, that was towards the end of your trip. You're like, Oh, I've been having such a great trip. And then they stuck me with this guy for a day. What, how awful. Well, it was really <laughs> what, funny. Cause I, I finally got used to, you know, doing my solo bit, and I'm like, wait, now I'm going to be with this guy? How's that right, going to work? Right, And he has like, this he's gonna screw, He's going to screw like, everything up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going to screw everything up for me. <laughs> I, um, well, I was in a, I was in a, I, I feel very lucky looking back on it that I, uh, I went out with two guys who'd been doing it quite a bit um, for Harper. So and I, you may have met, have you met Chris Healy yes. before? Yes. Okay, so so I went out with Chris, and, and you nice. know, I mean, if you met Chris, he's really, you know, Chris is really theatrical when he does his mm-hmm. stuff, and he and he's just just a great, he's a good guy. I'm gonna have him, on, I'm gonna have him on the podcast actually in a few weeks, oh, so cool. that'll be so fun. I will I will listen in on that one, so you'll have four people. Yeah, we're, yeah, there we go. I'm telling you that we've already uh, quadrupled our subscriber base <laughs> just in talking about this. Um, and then another guy named Tom Watson. I don't know. Oh if yeah, yeah, I um, did class acts with him last yeah. year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So that's so so when I did class acts, it was Tom and oh, Chris. That's so, a great group. Yeah, so I mean, talk about great like mentors to sort of just get a feel for how it works and what's going on, and and you know they both have very different styles mm-hmm. the way they present in front of kids, but it was just a great, it was just a great learning opportunity, and they were just fun. I mean, they were just good guys um, to hang out with, and you know, spend if you have to spend time on planes and airports and things like that, they were great guys to hang out with. No, I have and, found out that now that I've met, uh, and I've been lucky enough to meet a whole bunch of children's writers. Generally speaking, they're they're good people. They really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they really are. I, somebody was asking me about that the other day. So what's it like, you know, in your little MG world? Uh, you know, what, what are the people you run into the same people? I said, yeah, you you run into the same people from time to time, but they really are a good bunch of people. Um, people are very generous with yep. being helpful to one another. Uh, they come on you know, each other's goofy podcasts and they're <laughs> <laughs> they're always willing to, you know, always, for the most part, I found people very generous with their time and and willing to offer advice. And and yeah, they're cool. They're, just they're cool. cool. They're, they're uh, cool. humble. 
Uh, there's, yep. there's, I mean, I haven't come across any like jealousy and backstabbing and things like that, but you know, we'll see, you know, as, as our relationship moves forward, how that works. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, there's been a couple of times we've been on thin ice, right? Oh, definitely. So. <laughs> yeah, it's been close. Um, but I, but I, yeah, I'm with you. They are, they, they are a, a good, a good bunch. And I think part of it is, you know, I think we, all of us have similar experiences, I mean, there, I suppose there are some people who just immediately, you know, rocket to the top seemingly without putting any effort into it. But for the most part, I think we've all struggled at this for a long time or we've all had a desire to, to write for a long time. And, and you know, you and I have sort of shared our stories with each other before, but a lot, there's a lot of commonality between middle grade authors. A lot of us are parents. A lot of us have done other things before we were able to do this. And I, I think that it, it creates a bond. You know? I agree. And it's, it's sort of a very different vibe than sort of the, the young adult crowd is a little bit more trendier, I would say. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, I think. And they're younger. And they're younger, I mean, they're, yes. Yeah. Not always. I mean, there obviously there are some there are some extremely accomplished and experienced writers who, who write great YA stuff. Um, but I think a lot of I find a lot of YA authors aren't necessarily that far removed from being young adults themselves. Yeah, uh, I I mean I get the when I've met a lot of YA writers I I often feel very old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we are old. Now. Well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but but it's true. I mean, they're I think they are they are younger and they're writing about a different uh, experience. I have nothing. Sometimes I I have to be careful because when I talk about like YA and MG. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, writers and, and Y and MG books. I just I love middle grade, and I don't really get it. I don't really get into young adult books. Um, there there's a, there are exceptions to it, but for me, I I think that the I think that the best the books I enjoy the most, and I think the ones that people can really relate to and that can really become timeless, oftentimes are middle grade books. Well, I agree. I'm obviously extraordinarily biased. Yeah. Um, but I, I do agree. And, you know, everyone has their, their own sort of thing that they like to read. And I think people should yeah. just read whatever they want. Uh, right. There are now one of my favorite writers is a young adult writer, uh, Robert Cormier, who uh, okay. wrote The Chocolate War and uh, yep. wrote all these really, really great books. Um, but, you know, the, the books that I remember loving as a kid were uh, MG books. You know, I think back, well, we, we share a love of Lloyd Alexander and A Wrinkle in yeah. Time and. And yep. all those uh, probably did a lot to make me want to become a writer. So yeah, yeah. Now I have to ask you: Did you finally read the High King? No, no, I still have. And and the thing, <laughs> I gotta I gotta send it to you. <laughs> you must have a copy I somewhere. Do. I do. So um, yeah, so I've read the uh, first four in the Pridean Chronicles, and I still yep. haven't read the High King because then it's it's over. However, there is a problem in that I'm now reading it to my eight-year-old son. I'm reading the book of three. So if he enjoys it, and he is, and I think what I'll do is I'll end up reading The High Cane to him. Yeah, you're going to have to get there. Well, it's a good way to experience it. I guess you can experience it together. And I found it actually really interesting to, uh, now that I'm a writer and I'm reading, say, Harry Potter or The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe out loud to my kids, I really start to think about the craft uh, that went behind these mm-hmm. books a lot more than I would have. And it's also great to have a live um, reaction from a child as you're reading it. So you can go, Oh, okay. So that was cool. That worked. Now, have you, have you read, uh, how old, how old are your, are your kids again? <laughs> well, I have a, um, a 13 year old an eight year old right. and a five year old. So the 13 year old has read my books. Um, okay. That was, you know where I was going. Yeah. yeah. But not the yeah. eight year old, not yet, not, not, not yet, not the eight year old. And um, and what, how old was did he did you how did having kids influence sort of writing the thickety? And by the way, I, I, I'll record a, a, a glowing introduction. Uh, we haven't even mentioned the thickety or your work, I think, once in this. But <laughs> but, I, but but I will I'll record I'll record a, a glowing introduction uh, about the thickety, which honestly, and I, I've told you this before, and I don't I don't just pander to my guests, because one of the things I want to do with this podcast is, you know, I, I have no real discernible technical skills. I don't particularly have a voice for radio. I don't I like the sound. I think you have a really good voice. <laughs> well, well, thank, well, thank you, but but I don't particularly like the sound of my own voice. So I don't I don't apparently have any skills that relate 
to uh, the ability to being a, a, a podcaster, except that hopefully I am authentic and I am truthful. And so the, the people I have on are people that I really uh, admire or enjoy talking with in some way. Uh, and I've told you this before. I think the thick of you is I don't make it through a lot of middle grade books when I start to read them. That's a terrible thing to confess. Um, but I think, you know, you were just talking about the craft and, and how when you read you know, you read books that are, you know, great, these great classics and you start thinking about the craft and what, it, what went into them. One of the challenges for me is when I pick up middle grade books that maybe don't speak to me as much as I would like or I, or I don't relate to them as well, I, I'm terribly impatient and I'll put them down and I just sure. won't make it through. And, and, and I hope people are more forgiving with my work, but, but that's, just, that's, that's just how I am. And I remember, you know, two years ago when I think we both started our, our journeys as debuts at roughly the same time, you know, I had an opportunity to read a lot of other debut middle grade novelists. And, and you know, I could say with, with all truthfulness that The Thickety was the one I can remember that year. Well, thank you. Yeah, from a debut author that I just, I just, you know, I just flipped through and I really wanted to get to the end too. So, so uh, one of the reasons, again, for our half a dozen listeners out there that I that I asked Jerry to to be a guest on the podcast and be one of my first guests on the podcast is not only because he's just a good guy and he's and he's fun to talk to, but because I, I, I he's really got he's really got chops and he's got chops that I admire. So. Uh, Getting so so that's my that's my <laughs> that's my glowing review of of uh, of, of the thickety and Jerry. But but where we what we were talking about was was wait don't uh, stop you, go on oh, oh yeah we I, we got we got plenty of time I can keep going I can I can go I can I can go on and on. Um, but but the thickety you know as obviously as you know and uh, and people have read it now it, it there's there's some elements of of darkness to it and and some frightening things and and uh, so. At what age did you read it to your to your you know your oldest your oldest kid was it did was was it something that you know your own children sort of were part of the process or how how did that come how, how did that come about how did that work for you oh, sure so um, well it's interesting when when the the book was first uh, bought by Harper Collins the first question that my editor at the time Sarah Shumway asked was do you think this should be young adult or middle grade? Because at the time, the main character, Kara, was 13. She's 12 in the final version. Right. And uh, 13, I was told, is the age that no character should ever be because it's somewhere in the middle of MG and YA. So it's kind of like I've, I've just heard age. that recently. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah. that recently. We're no references to 13 year olds, no matter what you do. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I, I had to think about it because the book is it's in certain sections, definitely on the dark side. But on the other hand, I could imagine myself being uh, a middle grade writer more than I could a young adult writer. Sure. And I, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, young adult books are a lot of them are about relationships and sort of uh, becoming independent and romance, things like that. And I'm generalizing a ridiculous amount right now. And middle grade tend to be about more familial relationships and learning about, you know, uh, the world. So I felt that the thickety fit more into that since the main relationships in the book are with her, her father and her brother. So that was sort of the direction I went. So then what happened is in the editing process, the final version you saw was pretty dark, but there were some things cut out that were even darker than that. Uh, so um, when it when it finally was published, I had to figure out, you know, sort of at what age I would want to share it with my son. And he was, I want to say, about 10 when he read it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, that uh, seems and, and that seems that seems about right. Yeah, right? yeah, no, I yeah. would say the the ballpark for that book is ten to twelve. That that seems right. to be about uh, my comfort zone. Yep, yep. And I and you know, there's not. I don't think there's anything wrong. I mean, first of all, it's not like you know there there is. It, it's it's dark and it has its moments where it can be very intense. And and uh, I think that's okay. I think I think what's interesting about what you do with it is it's it's unapologetically you know, what it is. And, and, you know, obviously in the editorial process, it sounds like, like we all do, you had to make some concessions, uh, some concessions, but, uh, concessions that I agreed with actually. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's always nice when you get an editor that you, that there's a, a back and forth and ultimately, you know, they're on the same, I, what I've found is that they're often, at least more often than not on the same page as you. And uh, they really are just, 
they really are just trying to make the book better. Their, their goals are the same, even if sometimes your opinions may differ. They, they're still trying to make it a, make the book as good as it can be, and and you know as commercial as it can be, and as appealing to everybody as it can be. Um, but but yeah, the thickety and and obviously it got you know I don't need to run through for you the the, the great praise and and uh, all the all the wonderful attention it got as did as did your second your second book and, and the third book that um, you have a, there's one more to go right in the thickety series there is uh, yeah, yeah book four is called the last spell and it's it's so weird you know going around touring for book three because the la- the final book is done you know I've seen the yep. cover and. It, yep. It's fun explaining to kids, you know, how far in advance publishing works. Uh, so I'm actually working on books after that one yep. uh, right now. Yep. But it's it was kind of weird, you know, leaving that whole world behind. As I'm sure it was uh, weird for you to leave that world behind. I mean, were you? Did you feel sad when you um, finished the final book of your trilogy? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think I didn't. I, no, no, well, but no, I, I, I didn't. I didn't feel. I didn't feel sad. Uh, I because I was very lucky in that the ending I always envisioned for the book got to got that's where I end I ended up at I mean it I it came it it ended exactly where I always uh, conceived it to end so I actually when I when I was writing the luck uglies we had we'd always conceived it as a as, we, we we expected it to be a series of some sort we didn't know if it was going to be you know, three books four books however many books but I so I actually wrote the end more or less while I was writing the first book. You know, you've, I remember you telling me this while we were waiting on line for sandwiches. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, one, yeah, one of the places we were waiting on, you were explaining this all to me, and I thought it was so amazing that you could possibly know the ending uh, you know, that far ahead of time. I had no idea what my ending was uh, until I got you know, much closer to it. Is that your approach? Is that your approach generally? Do you sort of do you do you do any sort of outlining, or do you do you plot things out, or you just kind of do you get in there and you let it fly? I I am definitely I get in there and I let it fly. I I tried yep. to outline for you know the the first few books that I wrote that didn't go anywhere, and then for the first uh, thickety book I tried to outline, but then I noticed that every time I would outline, what I would end up with was something completely different than what I outlined. So I realized that. Well, some people outlining first saves them time. For me, it was just the opposite. It was almost like a waste of time because I didn't use any of it. So what I have in my head is sort of, I think of them like signposts. So I know at some point this scene's going to happen. At some point this scene's going to happen. And then it's just a matter of sort of getting there. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I, I kind of just start writing and it's fun to see things happen that I I didn't know was going to happen. Like the, the ending of A Path Begins, the first Thickety book, has this sort of huge plot twist. And I had no idea that right. was going to happen. I didn't plan for that. That just kind of ju- that just kind of jumped, jumped out at you. Jumped. And then what's funny is, you know, I, I think the that creativity is so interesting. I, I don't understand the way the brain generates the imagination. You'd need a, a much smart, smarter person than, than me to make sense of all that. But I often find that when these things happen I didn't expect, I look back in the story thinking I'm going to have to revise a bunch of things. And a lot of times I, it's already there, like that path that I, I didn't know was leading to a certain spot. I already kind of laid it down and I didn't realize I was doing it. So it's crazy, but that, that's kind of what makes it fun. Yeah, that's that, it is a fun way to do it. And you use an expression that I use all the time myself. I, I say that I, I use I, I set up, you know, sign signposts or mile markers. OK. Yeah. So I so I I usually I know where a book's going to start. I have some general plot points along the way and then I know where it's going to end. And then getting there is sort of the fun of it. And that's kind of that's kind of how I do it. So I so. One of the challenges I'm finding, and and I don't know, we can if you want, we can talk about what you what you might be working on or what's coming next. But I know with with my next project, it was a situation where I uh, I, I put together you know a pretty detailed outline and a proposal so that I could so that I could sell it, but I didn't have to actually write I didn't have to actually write the book, which which is nice. Oh yeah, that that is one <laughs> yeah. of the bonuses of uh, having street cred now. Yeah, right, right. So, but. But you still have to you you still have to show that there's a story there. So I I wound up doing a really detailed chapter by chapter outline of of the story, and I 
in my mind, I was like, oh, this is going to be a breezer right this now because I've never done this before. I always just used to have to, I just had to get in there and swing and, and see where it, where it took me. But now having the outline, it's almost like some of that sort of creative magic of sitting down and not worrying where, you, where you're going to go. It's almost more like I feel like I'm, I, I'm putting together a puzzle, but I already have all the pieces lined up. And it's more just, in some ways, it almost feels a little bit more mechanical because I'm not discovering as much of it as I'm going along. I mean, obviously it still changes and your characters develop and, and I, I won't wind up exactly with what the outline looks like, but the sort of the creative magic for me, I now find myself when my mind wanders or, or when I'm procrastinating instead of working on the draft, it's actually going to entirely different projects that I haven't completely mapped out in my head now. So I've just, I've just found it very, it's funny having the outline for me, like you said, I don't know that it's, it didn't make me any more productive necessarily. It, it definitely, it, maybe it'll keep me more on track ultimately and it'll make the rewrites easier, but I don't, I don't know that it made it more efficient. Yeah. Wait, place. you procrastinate. I didn't know writers procrastinate. I, yeah. You Get imagine out. that, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've turned, I've turned my, I've turned my writing coop into a recording studio. So, <laughs> so I'm talking about procrastinating. So I, right? yeah, I'm, I'm assisting you with your procrastination right now. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to some extent I'm helping you out too, I guess. So you're like, oh, yeah, and I would, I would literally be doing work right now. Luckily oh, I am man. not. So thank you, my friend. Yeah, yeah, see, there I go. See, see, I'm getting you away from all that, from all that drudgery of having to having to make up lies and tell stories to children. <laughs> <laughs> what are you? Uh, do you can you talk about, or do you want to talk about? Sure. What you're working on now? Yeah, uh, right now I'm working on a novel called Night Books, uh, which will be released in 2018 or 17 or something with a number. I'm not, wait, yeah, 2006. Yep. I guess 2018, early 2018, and it is about a uh it's not a uh fantasy novel it doesn't take place in a fantastical world it takes place in new york city in uh either queens or the bronx i haven't i keep going back and forth and it's right. about a boy who, who lives in an apartment house and he is looking for his lost cat and he ends up going to this one woman who lives in one of the apartments and essentially being kidnapped uh he finds out that she's a witch and okay. so this apartment has all these magical qualities, which is why he, um, you know, he can't just walk out or escape. And in order to stay alive, he has to make up a different scary story each night to appease her. Uh, so it's very much like an Arabian Nights uh, sort of a theme going on. And there's an, cool. another prisoner, another girl his own age who who is in the apartment, and he's not quite sure if he can trust her or not. So you know he he wants to figure out can he trust her and you know can they work together to try and escape? And he has to keep thinking up of you know new stories for the witch. And so that's basically what I got going on. Wow, that's great. That's uh, that that sounds really cool. Now, is it are they are they like stories within the story? Yes. So uh, I've okay. I've always been a big fan of that kind of framework. So I think that yep. much more than uh, the Thickety, which had a kind of a very free form plot, this this has a definite structure because you're going to have, you know, narrative. He tells a story. Narrative. He tells a story. So in that way, I think it it's probably a little bit uh, easier to put together. Also, it's not you know two thousand pages like the Thickety. So there's that. Yeah, it, right. It, it's <laughs> it's a, it's a, now. Is this? Do you contemplate this as a as a standalone? Or, oh, definitely or... a standalone. I I, yep. I wanted to uh, do something non-serious based after after coming off a of series. I wanted something to I don't know, sort of like a palate cleanser, just to focus yeah. on one thing. Yeah, I I mean I I hear you. I think sometimes you know having having written a series, I I feel like. In some ways, you can you can make I don't know I mean I I almost feel like you can make a stronger book sometimes as a standalone or you can you can really knock it out of the park with a standalone when you're not worrying about the the series to follow you know what yeah, I mean yeah uh, totally yeah um, so so I think that's yeah, it, it's it's funny because the, I I see the parallels in, in what what I'm doing too it's still it's still fantasy and it's kind of a dark humorous fantasy but. It, I decided to set it in Boston and and make it in a contemporary modern setting, but still sort of have your fantastical elements and sort of spooky stuff going on. And and I was actually and were you were you consciously trying to to spread your wings a little bit and oh definitely get away from, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you know I I think one of the things that you want to do as a writer is, is challenge yourself. And the thing I keep going back and forth on this one is 
whether or not to write it in the first or third person. And I, I still haven't quite settled on it because I'm actually writing the stories that he tells first. Uh, right. And then the narrative is, is sort of being worked around that. But, you know, I'm I'm definitely more comfortable writing in the third person. That's always been my my choice. But on the other hand, yep. it's kind of it might be nice to switch it up. So I, I honestly don't know what it will end up being. It's, it, it's again really interesting you bring that up. So I I opted to write in first person okay. for this next book, which which again I I haven't done conventionally, and and part of the reason for me and you do this as well in your books is you know it's fun to, in third person, and even if you do it in limited third person where where you're really only seeing the world through you know one or two mm-hmm. characters' eyes, I think as authors you have the ability to paint sometimes a more rich picture sure. of your of your fantasy world because you're not limited to the language or the thoughts of a you know 11 or 12 year old protagonist and uh, so one of the things i'm finding that's challenging is is writing in writing in the first person you do have to you do have to be mindful of the voice of the person that you that you're writing you know their perspective you're writing from you're not writing from a in my case i'm not writing from a 43 year old man's perspective i have to make sure that i'm writing from a, a much younger voice and you have some uh, lush descriptions in the luck ugly. So okay. I, I do, yeah, I do, I do, and so so it is different. And I think in the editorial process, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of that where I find myself, even in my first person descriptions, kind of going off on tangents and and really getting into far more descriptive prose than. Uh, would really match the voice. So it's a challenge and it's, it's, I think it'll be a challenging process, but, uh, but it's been fun. You know, it's been fun. to do. Yeah. I think that in general, I, um, I prefer to read third person unless it's, you know, a lot of the uh, mystery writers I like who write in the first person, like the private eye novels and things like that. Sure. I, I prefer to first. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, yeah. Different stylistic choices. Um, well, that's you know, that's, again, that's I, I, your your new project sounds great. Thank and you. are you, are you still um, when we were we, we were corresponding at one point? Are you are you still sort of thinking about you know dabbling in uh, uh, adult fiction or doing anything like that? I am. Yeah, that's the other yeah. thing I'm I'm doing in in all my free time. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I am working on you know an adult fantasy, and I've I've talked about it with my agent and, and showed her what I have. And, you know, she's, she's, she's into it, but you know, that could of course change depending on my execution, but so far so good. Right. And uh, so I'm, I'm going to, when I get to about the hundred page mark, I'll probably uh, send it over to her and, and see what we can do with it. But that's, that's very intimidating because I'm, I'm looking at this vast, huge, like 700 page novel. Sure. Uh, so, and you know, it's, 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 Something I've never had before where this is my I don't want to say my fun project because they're both fun, but it's the one I am not currently under contract for. So I keep going back and forth between, you know, well, this (laughs) night books is due at the end of September. So I got to make sure that one gets done. But on the other hand, this is fun, too. And I found that going back and forth and working on the two of them actually is is pretty nice. You know, yeah. it's, so you're so you are you are working on both at the same time. I am, sort of... yeah, and you know it's really at eventually what's going to happen because I'm a teacher. Uh, my prime writing time is July and August when it's summer vacation, and at that point it's going to be all night books because that's you know I, I've got to make sure I get that done time for my deadline. But I found that I think I've actually been more productive going back and forth from book to book because it seems to make things keep, stay a little fresh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can see how that, I can see how that, that might, you know, that might, that might be the case. And, uh, you're, you're obviously incredibly efficient, uh, and economical with your time when you're not wasting it with somebody like me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I mean, cause you, you've, I mean, the fact that I, I, I having, you know, talked and kept up with you over a little bit over the past couple of years, I mean, you seem to, you seem to do a great job of staying way out in front of, your deadlines and and you know keeping the books coming one per year uh and and plus you know you're juggling teaching but you know even even though you have you know a couple months in the summertime you know those two months can can go by really fast yeah. <laughs> if you're not if you're not disciplined right well no it, it, you definitely have to be disciplined and i i the way i used to do it is i used to write 
really, really early in the morning. So I would get up at 4.45 uh, and write before I went to work. And I still prefer to write in the mornings, but I don't know if it's because, you know, I'm going to be 42 soon or – but those mornings are getting really cold when I wake up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that hasn't been working uh, too well. But I'm – you know, I have a general idea about how much I want to get written per week, and I try to stick through it. And then even when I know it's not my – best write-in. I try to slog through it because I know I'm going to improve it later. But, um, you know, my my favorite part is actually the revising. I'm not a big fan of the first draft. That, to me, is painful, getting it all on paper. But then once it's all there and you can see, oh, okay, it's going to be a finished book. Now all I have to do is is make it good enough that someone would actually like to read it. I love that part. Uh, But so I, I, yeah, I am. I'm I'm pretty disciplined. I don't, uh, I don't, think you know this could have ever happened if i weren't it's it's really it's you know it's a job just like any other job there's i don't know that there's anything really magical about it i don't believe in muses uh i think you have to sit down there and just do the work yeah yeah it's a it's a craft yeah and it's a yeah and i think and i think did you ever read stephen king's book on oh yeah writing? oh that's great yeah 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 and uh you know for all the pe- people get on stephen king's case about uh, his work sometimes. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to knock him considering his success. And and I really thought it was I thought that was a great uh, I thought that was a great book uh, to uh, talking about the craft of writing and how it's you know you can you can try to find your muse but you but you need to make space for him or her and make sure that you the way that you make the, you make yourself open to the muse is to you know is to sit down and and, and put yourself in front of the, the laptop or whatever it is and and do it every day. And make sure that the muse is comfortable coming. Yeah, definitely. And I, I found, too, that working on the two projects at once, it's nice to sit down and go, OK, well, it's not working out with this one, but I'll just work on this one today. And that's uh, that's been nice to have that sort of ability to jump back and forth, depending on, you know, what's working best that day. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. And how do you how do you juggle the uh, how do you juggle the the other promotional aspects? I mean, obviously, oh gosh, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is my promotion. For you. <laughs> oh boy, boy, your your publicist is going to be mad at you. Like, that's the best you could do. That guy's that guy's podcast. <laughs> well, I, I will say that uh, school visits I love. I love yeah. doing school visits. I love talking to kids, and uh, it's something I'm very comfortable doing because. Generally speaking, when I do my school visits, I'm not so great at focusing on my book, but I'm really good at focusing on writing and reading and all these other things I want to talk to kids about. I have this and and you have the same thing going on. Uh, We've talked about it where it just feels very awkward to try and sell your own work. Uh, I'd be much better going on tour and, you know, talking about how great the Luck Uglies is and talking about all these other books. But to actually talk about my own book, it makes me uh, pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're, I mean, you're like we said before, you're, I mean, you're a humble guy. I, you know, you obviously believe in your writing and your books, but you're not, you're not somebody who's comfortable tooting their own horn. And that's, that's why I'm trying to do that. No, 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 I appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. And, but, but it's important because, you know, I think, look, there's enough, there's enough junk out there. Um, and I don't begrudge any other writer. I think we're all, everybody's just trying to make a living. They're all just, you know, we're all just working hard, uh, trying to get our stuff published, you know, whether, whether it's good, bad or otherwise. But, but I think that it's important, uh, for those of us who I, I, I think no good work to, uh, to, to talk about it and shine a light on it. And and I mean the, the the thickety has gotten tons of accolades. They don't need they don't need my light shown on <laughs> shown on it. But but given the opportunity, I, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna talk to somebody or talk about books, I want to talk about books that I enjoy and I think are, are are great and I think are books that can stand the test of time and that kids could pick up ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty five years from now and still read them and enjoy them. And and I and I think you know not only the thickety but. But I, I just, you know, I, I can tell, you know, I, I can tell that you get the kind of the kind of not that I'm a great connoisseur of writing. I don't I'm, I'm not the <laughs> I'm not the maker and breaker of <laughs> I'm not I'm not the one with the who can who can spot great writers. But but I can tell you know, when you read your work, I mean, you have the ability to write books like that. And, and there's a few, you know, there are a few other people out there. I, I'll tell you I'll tell you one more thing about the thickety. So in my in my uh, uh, 
<laughs> and my poor excuse for a recording studio, which is which is a, a chicken old chicken coop. Um, I have my microphone set up here, and I've been trying to figure out how to get to the perfect height so it just sort of you know sits comfortably under my mouth. And I, and there are three books holding it up right now, and they happen to be three books that I actually keep in my coop, and they are uh, one of them is is uh, Peter Nimble by Jonathan Oxier. Um, one is uh, The Great Unexpected by Sharon Creech, and the other one is The Thickety by wow. J.A. White. So, so the so so the Thickety has has made it into not that that's some fine it, company. Well, these I mean they're, they're, these are books that I've actually brought out to the coop because I like to I like to read them reread them from time to time, and uh, and they just happen to be out here, and so it, it's really I'm sure there are other books that fit those dimensions, but. <laughs> But the, but the fact that you know I, I I keep them around I I think that those are you know Oxier is another another guy I, I I have a ton of respect for and I I hopefully I'm gonna invite him to be on the podcast I hope he'll I hope he'll join me because I have you met Jonathan before yeah, he's, yeah he did an event at uh, Books of Wonder he's a really good guy yeah yeah so I, we have we have this we share the same agency this this the same the same okay, cool. agents so so you got so. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and we've, you know, like like a lot of us writers, we kind of know each other on social media and all that. Oh, social um, media! I don't know yeah. what to make of social media. <laughs> well, you were the first. You were the first. You told me about Instagram. <laughs> I, I, that's just I had I have no a idea. son. It was Instagram I, I guess age. Right. You're like, are you on Instagram? I'm like, what's Instagram? <laughs> you take a picture and you, <laughs> and you, and you post. I'm like, why would you want to do something like that? Of course, now I have an Instagram account with with 20 followers, but. Um, but that seems to be the only one that the kids can actually get their hands on. Like the, our 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 demographic, you know, they're too young for Twitter. There's no, they have no interest in Facebook, and the, apparently the other one they like now is Snapchat. But. Oh yeah, Snapchat. Snapchat is huge. Uh, I I don't know. But how do you use that to market anything? I, Never I mind. don't know if you even can. I I I'm more worried about is it something that my 13 year old son should be using. Probably not. Uh, probably yeah. not. Uh, but Instagram, you know, I, I had this uh, talk with him about, so, you know, kids your age, what do they use for social media? And he gave me the rundown. He said, Facebook, nobody uses. Facebook is for old people. Right. Uh, Twitter, nobody uses. <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> he goes, everybody's on Instagram. Everybody has right. an Instagram account. Right. And uh, and then Snapchat. So those are his two, Instagram and, and Snapchat. And then they're big on uh, just I am in each other. Yeah. OK, so that's the yeah, that's the means of communication. So I guess I guess, so I guess Instagram is really our, our only hope to reach them. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I started to even find that when I was when I was sending tweets was it's like if I didn't have a picture, nobody paid. No, nobody pays attention to it anyway. But if there wasn't a picture attached, nobody was was looking at my tweets. So. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it, and it's all this pressure to be all clever and pithy and uh, <laughs> in, in, in however many characters, right? What's 180 characters or yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, everyone hops on if there's, there's something that's trending, you know, everyone has to say their thing, but I've, I've just noticed that most of the things that trend, I don't actually really care about. So I'm not going to fake care about it. And It's, you know, I, I don't, I mean, I confess, I don't even really follow my Twitter timeline. Um, Wait, what's a Twitter timeline? <laughs> yeah, or, I, is it a timeline or is it a timeline? Is that Facebook? I, you know, you know the scroll of the scroll of tweets that like that come in like twenty per second oh, that anyone uh, you follow. Uh, yeah, that has a special Either Twitter feed. Yeah, Twitter, oh, it has feed. A, yeah, Twitter feed. Yeah, Twitter feed. Oh, Twitter feed. Okay, yeah. So how old am I? I don't even know how Twitter. <laughs> I don't even know how. I don't even know how whole, how the passe social media works. I, I really hope this podcast is not entitled "How Authors Can Use Social Media." Yeah. Doing a really bad job. Should I throw that out? So I should I should throw that lecture out the window. Oh, huh? perfect. Yeah. <laughs> how, to, how how to effectively use uh, social media by by Paul and Jerry? Well, I think uh, I think most of the I don't think there is an effective way to develop a fan base with social media. I think that the people the authors who have tons of followers they were popular to begin with. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it has to start somewhere else, and then and then they use that to supplement, you know, sort of supplement it and give give fans another way to to spread the word, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, what I what I've actually found that I, I like about uh, Twitter and Facebook is I've gotten in contact with some really great teachers and some yeah, librarians yep. and yep. set up some Skype sessions and things like that, yep. and that's been awesome. Yep. Yeah, that's I've done the, I've done the same thing, and and that's if there's been one use from that, it's been having teachers connect mm -hmm. from other parts of the country. So that's, that's really been, that's been useful. And I, I've always found it amazing when 
you know, a teacher is so grateful that I Skype with their class. I'm like, why wouldn't I Skype with their class? Sure. Why not? Yeah, right. I mean, it's 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 they're fun. They're easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it's a, it's just a, it's just a great way to meet kids, you know, halfway across the country that you might not otherwise get to get to see. I mean, it never stops being cool if I, you know, whatever I'm Skyping with some kids in California and they've actually read my book. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, are, is it is it fun now when you go on tour and you actually have people who have read the earlier books and know who you are and you actually have some you actually have like real fans like, as opposed to that for as opposed to that first tour when everybody's like you know who the hell is this guy? Well, if there was yeah. if there was anybody there i mean i had some books right. stops where there there was no one. Oh, we had we had one together oh that's right that's right yeah oh that was good times uh yeah. no it is nice it's you know uh you know i i do get kids who are just i don't want to say starstruck but they're right. you know uh, they think i'm obviously more famous and cooler than I actually am. And then they're just so excited because they've been, you know, they're really into the story. And, you know, uh, it's funny because the, it's one continuous story. So a lot of times I can't, if I'm in front of a crowd and a kids want to know about certain things that happened in say book three, I can't really tell them without spoiling it for everyone. So a lot of times I like take right. the kids aside afterwards and we have these little spoiler conversations and it's just really fun. When you do your presentation, do you still sort of focus on the first book? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, definitely. And, um, you know, I, to be honest, we, I have a, a sort of a cool book trailer that I, I let do most of the heavy lifting on that. So I, I do my spiel. I talk about how I, you know, got into writing. And um, then I just sort of throw my trailer up there in case they happen to be interested. Uh, the thing that the kids really like is when I show them different pages that are part of the actual editing process so they can see like little uh, bubble balloons that my editor had bubble, whatever they call it, the comments on a Word document. Yeah. And, and they, they like they like seeing the actual, uh, you know, the, the technical things that happen. They're very interested in that. Yeah, I remember, I, rem I remember you doing that. And and as far as your trailer, didn't you produce the trailer yourself? Oh, yeah. that That's uh, the other thing I do with, in my free time is my friend and I own a uh, book trailer company. There you go. <laughs> pictures. So, yeah, we we um, you know, we don't do it as much anymore. But in our in our prime and we made about 50 book trailers for different books. Uh, so that was that was very convenient to have that. Going. That's a handy skill to have. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. well, I don't really have the skill. I, I you know read the books and write these little scripts. And then my friend is the the sort of mastermind who films it and edits it and does all that business. Well, the I mean, I, I remember the Thickety trailer being really cool. I mean, it was like live action. Oh, yeah. Had, yeah. It, yeah. It, it came out really great. I, I couldn't have um, hoped for anything better with that. Yeah. Yeah. You had a lot of mileage out of that. Sure. Well, yeah. Well, Jerry, I could talk to you for hours, but I don't want to keep you from your family and and all your other responsibilities, and most importantly, writing writing books, of course. Yes, of course. <laughs> What's important <laughs> <to> my family? <laughs> but um, but thanks thanks again for oh, for, for yeah joining me on my on you know my little podcast here and uh, keep in touch and you know maybe when I get more than you know twenty five or thirty subscribers, we'll have to do it again one of these one of these days when uh, you got something else to another book to talk about or, or just to shoot the breeze or one of us you know figures out social media and has actual like advice to share there you go and we can actually we can actually we can actually share it with one another if nobody else <laughs> awesome sounds <laughs> like a plan looking forward to it thanks man take care thanks again all right bye that's it for today's episode thanks for listening everybody as always telling lies to children was brought to you by well nobody just me and my guests one of the nice things about being completely unknown in the vast world of podcasting is that you don't have to listen to me read 10 minutes worth of ads at the beginning and end of every episode. But I hope you'll check out my website, pauldurhambooks.com. There you can find out more about the Luck Ugly series, you can book a school visit, you can shop the newly opened Dead Fish Inn gift shop, or just reach out and say hello. I'd love to hear from you. You can also find links to all of my guests' websites and social media there. So until next time, I wish you happy reading, ugly luck, and I look forward to chatting with you again soon.
Well, I bet that woke you up. See you next time.